Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Well, welcome to our podcast. I'm Lauren Sweeney, your host of the Become Your Best podcast and webinar series. Whether you're listening to us live or perhaps you're watching us on our Facebook group, we are excited that you are here to elevate your own personal and professional development. Let me tell you about our guest today. His name is Joe Sanak. And we are so excited that he is here. He has some amazing insights around productivity and around ourselves and cutting down on our time to have more of a work-life balance. He's the author of Thursday is the New Friday, How to Work Fewer Hours, Make More Money, and Spend Time Doing What You Want. It examines how a four-day work week boosts creativity and productivity. He's been featured on Forbes, Good Magazine, and the Smart Passive Income Podcast, and of course here at Rise Up For You. He's the host of the popular The Practice of the Practice podcast, which is recognized as one of the top 50 podcasts worldwide with over 100,000 downloads each month. Best-selling authors, experts, scholars, and business leaders and innovators are featured on this podcast and interviewed. Well, we're excited to talk with him because we are all about working smarter, being passionate, living inside of your zone, and not just working all of the time. So Joe, welcome to the show. We are very excited to have you here. Lauren, I am so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, tell me, how did you get into this work? Thursday is the new Friday. I love it. You know, definitely the whole concept of that four-day work week. I I remember when, when that came out and then there was even what, the four-hour work week? I'm not so sure about that, but tell me about how you got into this work and this space. Yeah, so I'm trained as a psychologist and took the very traditional route working in nonprofits and then eventually within the county at community mental health and eventually at a uh, small community college. Uh, and during that time, I started a side counseling business to just pay off student loan debt. And over time, that business kept growing. And I realized I have no idea what I'm doing in business. I had all these clinical skills, uh, but I didn't know anything about marketing or business or KPIs or all these acronyms that people throw around. Um, so I started learning and documenting that process through practiceofthepractice.com. And so I'd read a book and then do a blog post about it. Or uh, I'd eventually start a podcast and uh, be able to just bring in guests that would answer questions that I just wanted to know. And so just was getting a bunch of free live consulting from people. And then over time, that audience continued to grow because when I launched that, there weren't any other podcasts for counselors in private practice. So right away, day one, I was number one. So I found that unique area kind of the, of the market that I could jump into. Um, and then in 2015, I uh, was streamlining enough income from my private practice and from the podcast that I left my full-time job. And that first summer that I was out of the job, I, I said to myself, I'm going to go back to what I did in college and do a four-day work week. Um, throughout all of college, I never had a Friday class except for one semester where there was a mandatory class. And I said, I'm going to go back to that and just see for the summer if, if I can make it happen. And in September, when I looked back at the summer of 2015, June was the best month financially I had ever had. July was better than June and August was better than July. And so I continued to do these time experiments, working four days a week 
and, and seeing how I could push it. And eventually then went into teaching other people and expanding our team to be able to serve counselors, therapists, coaches, and podcasters that want to level up. I love that. That's fantastic. It's an interesting background too to come from. We don't often hear of you would sort of say that now you're, you know, working with professionals as an executive leadership coach and executive efficiency productivity coach. And your background, you really get into, do you feel like the neuroscience has something to do with the productivity? Talk to me about that. Absolutely. I feel like so often we see people that um, maybe they have an experience and they start being a coach and then they go back and they say, well, I now want to learn about the research. For me, it was the opposite where I learned all the research, all the clinical skills, all the ways to have deep, deep conversations with people. And then I went into doing the business side of it. And so in a lot of ways that that background has really helped me just start with, of course, I'm going to look at the neuroscience. Of course, I'm going to look at case studies. Uh, I'm going to approach it with that psychological background. Uh, and so when we look at really what do efficient people do, um, the flow of the book and, and even of life is we have to start internally. Uh, so often we have these productivity books that think like an industrialist and give us these five steps to do whatever but they don't even start with how do you feel on the inside? What's going on inside of you? Because if you learn some great productivity, but you're not right on the inside, you're going to do the wrong work. You're going to you know, push in areas that is all based on ego rather than actually the good work that you're trying to do in the world. So we start with the internal inclinations. Uh, then we move into slowing down because we know that when we're stressed out and maxed out, that's not when we have our best ideas. That's when we just go with what we know and we keep doing that over and over instead of the innovative solutions. So we slow down and then we move into to killing it. And so when we actually get to the productivity, when we're going to just sprint like crazy, oftentimes people start there. How am I, how can I be more productive? How can I do this? How can I do that? And it's like, wait a second, we got to chill out a little bit and make sure that we know where we're spending our time. Cause half of what you want to be productive on, maybe we should just cut that. Maybe that's not even worth being productive on. But if we start with the productivity and not start with the slowing down or the internal inclinations, we often put our time into the worst work that we're uh, trying to be productive around. I love that. So it's actually slowing down and looking at what matters. Where should I be productive? Where are the places that, so what if somebody notices, okay, I'm working too much. I am not working in the right spaces. Where's a good place for them to start? Yeah, if we're talking super small steps, I would say, look at this coming weekend and add something and remove something. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're doing some experiments to help you understand yourself and where you're gonna get the best return on investment for your time in adding something or taking something away. So what do I mean by add something and take something? So first we wanna add something that's gonna give you more life in the weekend. So maybe it's you have a book that has been on your, your bed stand next to your bed for months and you're like, I wanna read this book, but you haven't given yourself permission to just take a couple hours to read this novel that has no business purpose it has no productivity purposes. It's purely just something you want to read. Uh, or maybe it's you have that friend that every time you see them, you say, we should get together sometime. And it's always that we should get together sometime. But you know that that person just fills you up with life. Um, or maybe you know that if you take a hike by yourself and you don't have your kids around for just a couple hours, you're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better partner. You're just going to be a better human. Figuring out how to add something in that for the hours, it just amplifies things, gives you a glimpse into the life you could have. And it's super small. And then the other side of it is take something away. And so we all have those things that when we look at our future weekend, we dread. So it could be that on Saturday morning, you are scheduled to have coffee with someone. And every time that you leave those conversations, you just feel like trash. This is like a toxic friend that you need to give yourself permission to say, I'm not going to hang out with that person this weekend. 
or maybe it's mowing your lawn or getting your groceries. Maybe those are things that you just kind of dread going to the grocery store for the you know half hour it takes to get there, the hour to two hours to get the groceries, a half hour home. It's like half of a day. Uh, maybe just you know giving yourself permission to have groceries delivered this weekend could be one of those things that you take off of your plate. So when you give yourself these little glimpses, you're testing and evaluating over time and not saying this is stagnant like the industrialists want us to think. It's growing and shaping and changing. Because you may find, I thought that I hated mowing the lawn, but actually I kind of missed it. That was kind of a mindful activity for me. Or you might say, that was amazing to not mow my lawn this weekend. I'm going to keep doing that. So you're learning more about yourself as to how you can slow down in a way that's going to then help you in the next week when you actually enter into that killing it and that sprinting. Mm, I love that. Those are such easy yet and simple tips, but if we would just implement it, take something away and add something in, but the add something in being intentional. And I also hear noticing what gives you energy, right? So if what gives you energy is reading that book and you just never make time for it, let's schedule that in. If noticing, wow, after I have a conversation with Susie Q, I feel drained. Let's take that one away. After I have a conversation with Joe here, I feel energized. Let's add that conversation in. Or perhaps I want to do it while I'm taking a walk. Or perhaps I want to do it while I'm at a coffee shop. Maybe that's more stimulating. What is giving me life? Because we're not just working to work. It has to have a purpose. It has to be moving us somewhere. Yeah. And I love how you you talk about even just like multi-layers. And so, you know, last Friday, uh, I went for a five-mile walk with my friend Chad. And so we were getting exercise, but we were also talking about we're in an improv troupe together. He has a lot of real estate. I have a lot of passive income. He wants to build passive income. I want to build real estate. And so we're having these deep, engaging conversations about uh, things that have to do with business, but also have to do with life and how we think about things and just pushing ourselves in a way that if we didn't have that friendship, we wouldn't push ourselves and we were moving our bodies. And so finding those ways to say that was like the best two hours to hang out with this guy. Uh, I felt so mentally stimulated. I felt challenged and I got some exercise, like finding those things that just give you kind of a bigger ROI for that period of time than it should. I love that. So great. So what are some of like your best hacks for, I know you talk about the book, the, the one thing, which I love as well. Talk to me, we talked about where to start. Now give me like, do you have a top five where that you're really into or what's next? Yeah. I take something yeah, away so and add something in. I would say internally, we want to look at those top internal inclinations. And so the top internal inclinations that research has found uh, that top performers routinely do naturally is they are curious. Second, they maintain an outsider's perspective. And third, they move on it. So they're not overthinking things and being paralyzed by perfection. And so we want to know where are we at in those areas? We want to know, does that come naturally for me or do I need to work on it? It's not a pass fail like, oh, you're not naturally curious. Uh, so you're a bad leader. It's no, let's do some things that build that curiosity. And so when I think about curiosity, uh, I think about my two daughters, they're seven and 10. Uh, they were outside playing with my nieces who are three and five. So three, five, seven, 10 and four little girls outside screaming and running around. And then all of a sudden it got super quiet. I'm like, uh-oh. So I go outside and they're all standing around this dead mouse. And they're like, how do you think that mouse died? And they're kind of mortified, but kind of interested. And then they 
were saying, do you think an owl is going to come eat this mouse? Should we bury the mouse? Should we give a, do mouse, mice have funerals? Should we have a funeral for the mouse? And so oh, they're yeah. just naturally curious. The things that they're seeing, it's the first time they've ever seen it. It's the first time they've seen a rainbow. It's the first time they've seen a car accident. And for them, they're saying, is this normal? Does this happen every day? Or is this outside of the norm? And so maintaining that curiosity is right at the beginning of those three internal inclinations. Wow, I love that. Maintaining it sounds like even that childlike curiosity. I have I have little children too and you see that all the time. I mean, we're like let's go, let's put on our shoes, let's get out of the house, like let's do our tasks, right? And my little 6-year-old is like, "But mom, look at this little piece of dirt. Where do you think the dirt came?" You know, like it, we're so they're so in the moment and so bringing back that childlike curiosity to ourselves as adults. Well, yeah. And we know that kids' brains are are still starting to make those connections. And so parts of the brain actually can talk in a way that we as adults can't. Uh, in Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, he talked about some research about how they looked at kids under the age of three, their brains, and compared them to adults on LSD, and they were almost identical. And so when my daughter is like taking her time putting on her shoes, and I have that empathy to say, okay, it's like someone that's tripping here. She's just like one with the universe. Like I just can slow down a little bit and say, I'm going to appreciate that you're very curious about this piece of dirt or how long it takes yeah. you to put on those dang shoes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's it's us as adults adopting and adapting. And of course, not everyone listening necessarily has children or is involved in children. But that curiosity and remembering and acting in that fashion can be really helpful when we're hacking our, our productivity. So talk to me about the book. Was this the first book you wrote? Like, I know it's been wildly successful. Talk to me about that kind of excitement, exciting journey. Yeah, this is my first traditionally published book. Uh, I'm so happy HarperCollins picked it up. Uh, that was the the label that I labeled. Like I'm some rock star. That was the label I wanted to be on. <laughs> oh, and, and so, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I've done other self-published books, but it was more smaller for my community. So around the private practice world. And this is the first one that I really was able to take what I was teaching to my community and bring them along with it while also saying this has broader application way beyond just my own community. Uh, and it's been really interesting to see the application because when I first wrote the book, the kind of main audience was mostly um, small businesses, solopreneurs, people with 50 or fewer employees. Um, but seeing places like Nissan Infinity Canada, who has done a bulk book by and seeing larger corporations say, this is something that we want to learn from. Uh, and then also seeing people outside of even the business space, uh, you know, stay-at-home mom groups that are doing book clubs around. How can we think differently about the way that we do our schedule? Um, it's really exciting to see the application be beyond just uh, kind of the small business uh, entrepreneurs that I was initially initially targeting. Wow, I love that. So let's let's take that. Let's say that we do have a lot of people listening that are a leader within an organization or a company and they want to scale and grow. We have others who are entrepreneurs and we also have people who are maybe uh, retired, shifting careers or perhaps a stay-at-home parent. So Let's talk to me about the different applications. Let's say that we are not just talking about being more productive in a normal work fashion. Where else do you see these applications? Yeah. So I think one thing we have to start with is that there are two very different pain points that those types are dealing with. So the typical entrepreneur, podcaster, um, person that has a smaller business, 
they usually have more ideas than they know what to do with and they love their work. I mean, I imagine you're like me as a podcaster. I love talking to people. I love podcasting. I feel like I could do it all day long. And so there's a lot of oftentimes our identity, our ego, our ideas that are all wrapped up in that. And we use terms like, oh, it's my baby. But in life, I would never kill my child, but there's times when we need to kill our businesses. There's times when we need to get rid of parts of our businesses. So the challenge for us is to really start to separate our identity and our ideas from the business so that we can genuinely have that downtime. Because if every time that we're hanging out with our kids, we're thinking about business and we're writing down ideas and give me a second, I got to go write this blog post. Like that's not fair to your kids or your family or even to your own brain to be optimized. You're actually making it harder on yourself to be productive in the next week when you think you're being productive on a Friday or Saturday. But then on the business side, when we're looking at larger corporations, uh, the bigger question is how do we start to do some experiments with those small groups to be able to see if a four-day work week would be effective? We know the science continues to point over and over that a 32-hour week is better than a 40-hour week. The Iceland study that just came out a month ago was a multi-year study of 2,500 people across multiple disciplines, and they found that they actually were more productive in 32 hours than in 40. So it's almost like those eight hours make you slide backward beyond where you are at the 32 hours. And we're seeing this in lots of other neuroscience and other things. Uh, and so with the people that are looking at moving to a four-day week within a larger company, you want to first look at small teams of three to six uh, that have the same role. And so you don't get an accountant and a salesperson and a marketing person together. You get people that are in the same role. You then next look at what's the two, maybe three key performance indicators of those teams. So what are the things we're already judging them on? Is it amount of sales? Is it the amount of money they bring in? Is it um, client satisfaction? How are we going to judge the success of that team in the way that we already are judging them? Then we're as a team going to have a conversation around what are the clear boundaries that we're going to have as a team. And so are we never checking our email after five? Are we never checking our email on Fridays? When are we available? When are we not? Because that's going to be different based on the teams. Because the industrialists want us to have a set it and forget it. Here's the assembly line, plug it in mentality. But that's just not the world we live in. We live in an evolutionary model that can continue to grow and change and improve over time. And so you may say, okay, uh, we're an IT team. We need to have somebody that can always help people if they get locked out with their passwords. So that's going to look different than maybe a creative team that's in charge of the social media. So you set those boundaries, and then each week on Monday morning, you're going to have two important conversations. The first one is going to be around your boundaries. How did you do this last week? Jim from accounting sent an email at 9 p.m. on Wednesday. I came in on Thursday morning, and half the team had read it and broke the boundaries we had agreed to. Well, then we have a conversation. Is Jim from accounting, did he step outside of what was appropriate? Maybe it was a really important email that needed to be out and we need to change what our rules are because we get all this data on Wednesdays. Okay, so Wednesdays now you have to check your email till nine. Okay, we've adjusted, we've changed. Then the second conversation is around those KPIs. So are they up? Are they down? How are we judging them? And then we give that data to the supervisor. And then the last part of it is monthly. We're doing a 360 review of how things are going over the, the trial that we're doing. And that trial lasts no more than three months. Usually you want to be somewhere in the two to three month range. Wow. I love that. I love coming up with the norms and then adjusting them as need fit. And I think this works inside of families too. And I love this idea of killing, killing your business. I don't know. It's a little graphic, <laughs> but like literally saying, no, it doesn't exist. I mean, how do you do that? Because I definitely face that as a parent, as a wife, you know, even when I'm with friends, I am, I'm thinking about 
I'm thinking about work or I'm thinking, you know, about something at home, et cetera. So how do you quote unquote kill that in your brain? Yeah. So I would say the killing of your business is just knowing that there's an option that your business is not your baby, uh, that it, you can foster mm -hmm. it. You can have it be something that's part of you, but you also can ignore it for a few days. And so I think the biggest problem is we haven't set hard and soft boundaries around our time away from our businesses. So a hard boundary, what's that look like? So for me, I wrote a book about why you shouldn't work on Friday. So if I have someone that wants to do consulting with me and they say, I'm only available Friday morning, I will always say no to that person. That's a hard boundary that I'll never do. But a soft boundary is maybe I'm aspirational in that on Fridays, I don't want to do any work. But honestly, if my business was lighting on fire and the podcast was on fire and social media was on fire and my director of details sends me a text, oh my gosh, everything is on fire. I'm not going to tell her, let it burn till Monday. No, I'm going to say, let's work on that. Let's put it out. But then on Monday, we're going to have a conversation around why was I the only person that could do that? Mm -hmm. Are there systems that I need to improve? Is there access other people need to have that only I have access to? What have we learned that imagine Joe is in another country with no access to anything? How would we have put that fire out and what can we put into place? And so wow. there's things that we need to put into our schedule that are unmovable. Like for me, every Wednesday night, I'm in an improv troupe. We have improv practice. I laugh harder during that hour and a half than I do any other part of the week. My abs are so much better because of it. And that just lights me up for improv's sake, not because it makes me a better public speaker or a better podcaster. It's for the sake of having fun. And so when we put those things into our free time and have those hard and soft boundaries, it makes it so much harder for us to go against them. It feels abnormal to go back to work because we've done these bookends that our family understands. We know that they, they say, okay, dad doesn't work Friday afternoons or Friday during the day. So when they get home from school, if they see me on my phone, they'll say, you're not working, are you? No, I swear I'm not Instagramming right now. I swear. So then your family starts to hold you accountable to it because they're part of that norm as well. Well, I love that. I love that. So good. So Joe, how do we find you? I know we can find you on your website and it is your first and last name. So Joe, J-O-E-S-A-N-O-K is his last name. So Nook, S-A-N-O-K.com. And also we can find you on practiceofthepractice.com. And I know that you have a freebie for the audience if they go to your website as well, right? Yeah. So if they go to joesanock.com forward slash quiz, they can fill out the internal inclinations quiz. So usually this is $49 or you have to buy the book uh, to get access to it, but you can get it totally for free. It's going to walk you through those three internal inclinations of curiosity and outsider perspective and the ability to move on it. And you're going to get data that says, where are you at in regards to the scale? And it's not a pass fail. It's a, you know what? You could use some improvement in say curiosity. Here's a bunch of ideas of what you can do around that. So that's over at joesanock.com forward slash quiz. Oh, I love that. That sounds so cool. Well, Joe, it has been amazing having you on today. And we always end with a last question. What does rise up for you mean to you? Yeah, for me, rise up is rising up to our full potential, but not driven by our egos or just achievement. To me, that's cheap. Um, to me, rising up is about our full potential as a human within this human experience. So to be the best possible dad I can be, to be the most grounded possible person that I can be, to make sure that the work that I'm doing in the world uh, benefits it and makes it better in some way than how I found it in the world. Oh, I love that. Joe, thank you for being on today. Thank you for the work that you're doing and the impact that you're making in people's lives. Oh, thank you so much for making Thursday the new Friday.
Oh, we love it. Isn't that so great? I, I could talk productivity hacks all day long and literally all of the things to make you as a whole person. Really great. Well, I'm Lauren Sweeney. It's been my pleasure to be your host today. I want to let you know that in our community, we are doing a public speaking small group course, a live course. It's going to be incredible. All you have to do to get access is text public speaking, two words, to 949-416-0671. And of course, you can get our free success kit at riseupforyou.com slash success kit. Thank you for joining us today. And we will see you next time on the Become Your Best podcast and webinar series.